I invite you, church, to stand for the reading of the word this morning. We're going to do that from the book of Psalm, Psalm chapter 103. I'll be reading just the first five verses today. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget all his benefits. The benefits of God, the one who forgives iniquities, who heals all your diseases. The one who redeems you from the pit. The one who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. The one who satisfies you with good as long as you live so that your youth is renewed like eagles. This ends the reading of the word. Thanks be to God for this word. You can be seated. Once upon a time, the village felt sad. The village is sad because the minister of music stepped away and because the university president decided to retire and because two pastors decided to leave and so did the campus chaplain. Oh, once upon a time, the village was so sad. And these are only the names of those the village spoke loudly into the microphone. But there were electricians and assistants, there were tradespeople and professional educators. Some of them left for promotions, some of them left for further study. Some of them went home to relax and celebrate a long career. Once upon a time, the village however, was sad. So I looked for that place in scripture. You know, when you feel sad and blue and when transitions come that we didn't ask for especially. That place we find ourselves kind of down and a little bit dark and we wonder, is everybody leaving? What happened to us? It's the question the pastors are getting asked regularly. Are you staying? What happened to our little village? Everybody kind of starts to smell themselves. Is it us? Is it you? So I search for that place in scripture. You know the story in the Bible about the time the minister of music stepped aside and the university president retired and the two pastors moved on and so did the campus chaplain. You know that story in the Bible? Yeah, me neither. I looked for our story in scripture the last couple of weeks. When I search for our story in scripture, I can't really find it, but I want to tell you, I take comfort in this little guy. His name is Alexander. Alexander, who, by the way, did you hear me? I mean it, I'm not going to move. Let me read you just a couple of pages of Alexander's story. First page, they can't make me. They can't make me pack up my baseball mitt or my I love dinosaur sweatshirt or my cowboy boots. They can't make me pack up my ice skates, my jeans my, with eight zippers, my compass, my radio or my stuffed pig. My dad is packing, my mom is packing, my brothers Nick and Anthony are packing. I'm not packing because I'm not going to move. Next page. My dad says we have to move where his new job is. The job is a thousand miles away. My mom says we have to move where our new house is. The house is a thousand miles away. 
Right next door to the house, there's a boy who's Anthony's age, and down the street, there's a boy that's Nick's age, and there's no one next door or down the street for maybe a thousand miles who is my age. So I am not, do you hear me? I mean it, going to move. I'll never have a best friend like Paul. I'll never have a great sitter like Rachel. I'll never have my soccer team or my carpool. I'll never have kids who know me except my brothers, and sometimes they don't want to know me. I'm not packing. I'm not going to move, Alexander says. His, this is his plan. When the movers come to put my bedroom furniture on the truck, maybe I'll barricade my bedroom door, and when my dad wants me to tie my bicycle to the roof rack to the top of the station wagon, maybe I'll lock my bike and bury the key. And when my mom says, finish packing up, it's time for us to get going, maybe she'll look around and she won't see me. I know places to hide where they will never find me. I am not, did you hear me? I mean it. I am not going to move. Now I like that. Do you like that story? I like that story. Oh. Well, guess what, sweetheart? We get it. This book is for you, okay? You're welcome because her cousin's gonna move. Just saying. It's coming whether you want it or not. I take, I take comfort in Alexander's story there, right? I'm just going to bury my head because I can't solve this. And if I bury my head, they won't find me. And if I bury my head, everything will be arranged the way I like it, the way I know it. I am not going to move. We get it. We can understand Alexander's frustration because transitions, especially the ones we didn't invite or ask for, those are tough. They are destabilizing. They bring to us disequilibrium. We're a little bit off track. My mom calls it a funk. F-U-N-K, funk. Have you heard that word before? Not the rhythm music, kind of the music of the 70s, that cool rhythmic dancing music, not that. The funk, that kind of depressed and blue and sad and sorrowful and dark place we go. It's a funk. We settle into a funk and we're not really sure how to get out. So you can ask the Google, how do you get out of a funk? Ruben's gonna type it in right now, we're gonna ask. What to do when in an accident? <laughs> an infant has a fever, what to do in an Airbnb? Is that what that says? What to do if the pot says burn? What to do if you're in an accident? What to do if an infant is constipated? What to do if the internet is down or the internet is slow or Instagram locks you out? Can you believe Instagram would lock you out? What to do if an infant has a cold? Depends on your search engine. When I Google what to do when in, I get a car accident, a tornado, a hurricane. I just wanted to know about a funk. What do you do when you're in a funk? People have lots of ideas for how to work yourself out of this. My mom had an idea for how you work yourself out of this. My mom's idea is that you, um, you probably need more salt, so you should eat potato chips. And in particular, you should eat Lay's potato chips with no ridges, the original kind. If you're in a funk, eat something. And probably something salty, and you're probably dehydrated, so drink a bunch of water too. You will be dehydrated when you finish the potato chips. Lots of advice on what to do in a funk. 
We turn our attention to the psalmist who has an idea. Psalm 103, who calls our attention to the Holy One today. That's a loud cry from the, soul, from the soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Psalms 103 and 104 repeat the same language. Bless the Lord. It's better understood. Thank the Lord. O oh, my soul, and all that is within me. This is not a single voice. This is not, by the way, a communal psalm. This is one single voice. This is one person talking to herself. That's what makes this psalm interesting to me. That's, that's what singles it out from the rest. It's a single voice telling herself to pay attention. She's talking to her soul. It's the eye is telling the soul, but the soul and the eye are the same person. And Songs and poetry don't usually work this way in the Bible or in life today. It's this interesting self-speech. I'm going to talk to you, soul. Are you listening to me? Sit up. Pay attention. Be quiet. I'm going to talk to you, soul. I have a thing to say to you. We need to talk it out. We need to work it out, soul. It's this very unusual self-talk. The soul. Nefesh, where in the world is that? Is it, is it in the heart? Is it behind the ribs? Is it in the mind? The poet doesn't care. Those are questions for a literalist, frankly. Sit still and listen, soul. You and I have some work to do, the psalmist says. Bless God now. The language in the poem is assertive. It's a command. I command you, soul. Bless God now. Thank God now. Name God right now. You feel you're down and in a funk and a little bit off. God, I, I, I command you. Bless God. It's not the first time in the book of Psalm that there's this I speak between the person and the soul. Psalm 42 and 43 do the same thing. They're laments. These two Psalms are in deeper and darker places. In Psalm 42, the psalmist says, this is the one that starts as the deer pants for the water, my soul longs for you. The poet goes on to say, my soul is depressed and I will say to God, why have you forgotten me? My soul thirsts. Psalm 43, why are you so upset, soul? The poet talks directly to its own soul. Why are you so upset? Well, I'm upset because I'm upset because I was waiting for justice from God. I'm upset because I thought God was going to take care of those who distrust me. But these laments, they're beyond a funk, church family. They're deeper and darker. And when we find ourselves in a lament, when we are lamenting, the best thing to do is lament. And let it happen. That's Psalm 42 and 43. Psalm 103 that we're reading today occupies, occupies a little different space. The, the time for lament has dried up a little. Things are not quite as dark. Maybe the tears have been wiped away. And it's time to check reality. There's a variety of ways to get out of the funk, by the way. Yes, like my mother, you can eat potato chips. Or you can eat something, eat anything, right? Most of us grew up in those families. You probably need pizza, you probably need ice cream, you probably need something fried and sweet and delicious. That'll make you feel better. You know what you need? You need a day free of responsibilities. That's how you get out of a funk. You just get in your car and drive away like I did last Friday afternoon when I couldn't really take it anymore. Just get in your car and go somewhere. You know what you need if you're in a funk? You need a day at Disneyland. That's about 50% of us, by the way. 50% of us need Disneyland. 50% of us need a nice, quiet room with no one. 
What do you need when you're in a funk? You need a change of scenery. You need a day off. You need people to stop bothering you. You need to try some other options, breathe some other air. If you go online, the suggestions are endless to bolster our busyness and to consume a little more, or actually to join Alexander and put our head in the sand and deny anything's changing at all. One of the favorites this week, when I, uh, tra I chased down some of these ideas, how do you get out of a funk? Here's one. This, this guru says that you create your own talisman. What in the world's a talisman? I had to look up talisman. Is that a word you know? This is how you know you're in a funk. If you have to look up in the dictionary the directions to get out of a funk, you're in a funk. I don't know what a talisman is. It's a magic charm or something that has power. Create a thing you can hang on to or put in your space that will give you energy. Or here's one multi-dimensional healer who says, your energy is not in alignment, so you must put yourself in a place of pure potential. I have no idea what that means. I don't know what that means. Put myself in a place of pure potential. I'm certain that it's working for someone. Lots of people are reading this stuff. A particular favorite that I read is a pastor who said he had 25 minutes to work his way out of a funk before a sermon. He's in the back room, he's in a spiritual funk, and he tells God, I'm giving you 25 minutes to work me out of this. And it happened. You can uh, read a lot of ideas online. I'm not looking for a shortcut, by the way, this morning. I'm not looking for a spiritual bypass. I'm not looking for the secret pathway into wonderland. I'm asking a more important question. I know denying what's happening to us is also does not work. It's an act of courage, not an act of pessimism, to name what's happening around us. There's a lot of transition. Are we okay? That's not pessimism and that's not worry. That's an act of courage because as soon as you ask the question, the next question will be, so what's next? So what happens next when the minister of music steps aside and the president retires and two pastors leave and a chaplain leaves and a bunch of other people need to transition in our community? What happens next? The poet of Psalms 103 and 104 tells us we should check reality again. It turns out everyone hasn't left the building. Look around today, church. Oh, you're all here. It's like Devo said to me last week, I'm here, Chris. You're here. And then he put his arm up and said, I'll be here if you'll be here. Psalm 103 and 104 asks us to check reality. Everyone has not left the building. I'll be here if you'll be here. The psalmist tells us the very next thing we should do is look to God. Turn to God. Turn off YouTube and turn off the TED Talks and turn off the multi-dimensional healers. Turn to God. I want to ask you this, uh, this morning, church, how regularly do you find yourself reaching for Scripture and opening up Scripture when you feel yourself in a funk? Because last Friday when I drove away from the community for a few hours, I did everything else, but I didn't actually open Scripture. 
And here sits Psalm 103 and 104. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Do not forget all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems you from life's pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good as long as you live, so your youth is renewed like eagles. This is a heavenly laundry list of benefits in Psalm 103, those first verses. And a psalmist, a poet who's speaking in general, not in particular. And that makes it interesting and really useful for us. You could take any one of these lines, forget not all of God's benefits. This would be Israel's story and we could name coming out of captivity and crossing the Red Sea. We could name being at the foot of Mount Sinai and getting visible reminders of God. We could name the wandering in the desert and the day manna dropped to feed them on the Sabbath. We could name the day they put their foot in the River Jordan and realized they could cross into the Promised Land. Every one of the lines in these poems leaves spaces for our stories too. Because God doesn't love us in general, God loves us in particular. Next week, as we begin our BIOS series for the summer, our very first storyteller will be Anthony Leon. He's going to speak and sing. A little bit of music with his friends and family. But wait till next week when Anthony tells you he can remember a particular time and place where he was when it was very clear God was also in the room. And the presence of God fell over him and it was very clear to him. He belonged to God. The psalmist says, name all of these times. List all of the heavenly benefits of doing life with God. The particular ways God has loved us. The particular ways God has freed us and healed us. The particular ways God has renewed us. The stories are in between the sentences here in the poem. Merciful God shows up with steadfast love. That's the beautiful thing about poetry. It leaves this space in between. A whole library of stories fits between all of those sentences, church. Your stories and my stories and the community's stories fit in those five verses. Our shared stories and community. So the psalmist tells, says, start telling those stories again. Don't forget the stories. You know, this spring when we asked uh, you to donate again for the foster youth, one more year recognizing about 120 foster youth graduating out of foster care. We want to show you just a few seconds of a video from that event where the gifts that we gave and the gifts that were created, the lays that each graduate gets, that lay contains a gift card for $25 and a handwritten card by one of us here. Look at just a few seconds of this video. That graduation service happened uh, the beginning of June. If you watch carefully, the entire you'll see. night is a celebration of what it took to get here. Also heading to a university, April Coppage Calderon. See all those lays? You know where those came from? You all. 
and a few sweet people who crafted them and made them. And on the stage there at that foster group uh, graduation, our contact is Lisa Walker, there were laptops for students going to college. There were laundry baskets full of supplies for kids who are moving into their own first apartments. There were uh, coupons for goods and services all across town. The psalmist tells us to remember to name the benefits of God, which usually come to us through community. Don't forget that these good things have happened and that they keep happening. The Lord works vindication and justice for all who are oppressed, the psalmist says. And he doesn't deal with us according to our own sins, our own iniquities. Again, you can fill in the blanks. All of the people you wish God would get and punish is in the first part. And then the rest of us are in the last part. What it is that I have done. God does not pay us according to our own iniquities, the psalmist says. I want to read the last couple of verses of the psalm, verse 15. As for mortals, their days are like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it and it's gone. And its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. The eternal God is aware that humans are fragile. We are fragile. We sense disequilibrium. We sense a little disorder and disruption in our lives. But God is everlasting. Sometimes we get this reversed as if God is temporary and we are everlasting. The psalmist says, our lives are not everlasting. Our lives have always only been temporary. Temporary circumstances, temporary experiences, temporary relationships, right alongside temporary traumas. We are the temporary creatures in the story. And I don't know how to counsel us on this reality other than to read the text again from time to time. We are all temporary. God is everlasting. So what does that mean that we're all temporary when we understand this truth and we repeat this truth again? We are temporary in the story. We will be here for this amount of time and then we will be gone from this earth until God reunites all of us again. Be real about that. I think it means create more good moments, friends. Name the good moments, but create more good moments. Create more good moments with family and friends. Create more good moments with strangers and students. Last Saturday night at the church social, a man walked in and he stayed pretty much for the evening and ate snacks and played games. And on his way out the door, he said to a few people, thank you for allowing me to be welcome here. We don't know who he was. Create more of that. Jonathan, come join me. Create more good moments and memories. We don't know what we're doing, but we're creating something right now. This is completely unrehearsed, Jonathan. Can I have the top register? My name is Chris, and I've not gone to Juilliard. <laughs> You're Jonathan, and you have gone to Juilliard. Can I have the top register? We're going to be in the key of C. Wait, these are my keys. Okay. You got the pedal. Um, this is my father's world.
someone from Juilliard. <laughs> I've played with Dr. Rodriguez, and now I've played with you. <laughs> Create more good moments, church. Like if life is temporary, this is what we're supposed to be doing, right? It's not pessimistic to ask this question. It's courageous to say, we feel a little disequilibrium. What's going on in our community? Well, then lean in. Life is temporary and God is not. We are temporary and God is everlasting. I'm here. You're here. This community is still here. So what happens next? Create more good moments. Create more opportunities with family and friends. Create more goodness on our two campuses. We get sad that we're not thriving like we ought to be. This is when we roll up our sleeves and create more. So we lose two of our friends, three with Sam. The search committee started this week. Pray for them. The search committee begins on the university side of the campus next week. Pray for them. We don't know who God's bringing into our community next, but we are all temporary in God's story. And God's love is everlasting. The goodness is still here in this church. Create more of it. Don't stop. Don't fatigue. Don't tire of looking for, seeking after, creating the good, friends. There is enough in the world to have all of us down. I can't even put my plastic in the recycle bin and be sure it's going to get recycled. And I can't shop at Costco now. And Pharaoh's closed. And my country is trying to figure out how to welcome strangers. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all of God's benefits. For as the grass withers, you and I wither, but the steadfast love of the Lord is forever. Stop looking for confirmation that the sky is falling. The sky is not falling. God is good.